Hello, 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 and welcome to the Before You Get Married podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Terry, but today I am taking off my hosting hat and handing it over to one of my good friends, um, one of my longtime friends, my childhood friend, um, Adis Jonas Murphy. So, Adis, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for accepting to take over this role today and I hand it over to you. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Terry. Let, let me just ask how you're doing. How are you, man? Uh, I'm actually doing pretty well. Thank God. Honestly, just to be able to say that is mm-hmm. amazing in and of itself. Yeah, I I am seeing that you are you are amazing. You're looking amazing. Thank you. And I'm, I'm very happy to be on this platform. So I just want to send a big shout out now to those of you who are listening in. Uh, thank you so very much for making it Dr. Terry's uh, weekly podcast. And as she said, she now gets to sit in the hot seat. So you know, every week she's been interviewing persons, but this week we get to find out a little bit about. Um, about Terry, you know, as I affectionately call her a boogie, that's, she's my boogie, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we're going to be looking at uh, life behind uh, everything, behind the title, behind the job, uh, life, uh, your experiences as it relates to marriage in particular, and relationships. And let me just throw this one out at you, Terry, before we get into the meat of it. Who is Terry? Um, tell me a little bit about your life. I mean, as privileged to enter it at a very early stage, but uh, for those who may not know, um, tell us a little bit about you, the individual. How'd you grow up? Your family. Okay, so I grew up in lovely, lovely, lovely um, Kingston, Jamaica, and I now live in Quebec, Canada. I just completed my PhD actually in linguistics. And I decided to stay here and to see what God has in store for me here. Um, Of course, you would know that I was married and I am no longer married. I'm actually divorced. Um, So, yes, I think that's the first time I'm actually saying that out loud in a public forum. (laughs) But yes, that's a little bit about me. I grew up with my mom and my brother yeah okay good so all right since you headed straight there let, let's jump into it um you were married uh, how long were you married for i well we got separated a few days shy of our fifth wedding anniversary so i was married for about five years yeah mm-hmm. how would you describe your marital relationship Ooh. Um, so my ex-husband and I, uh, started us as friends, very, very good friends, actually. And I think sometimes, you know, we have good friends and we think that maybe the natural progression of that is we should go into a a marriage or a relationship, but I think that probably our friendship would have been preserved if we hadn't gone there. Um, if we hadn't gotten married, interestingly. So, yes. We so, were, yeah, go ahead. 
Well, well, quick question, as you made that point, um, what is it really that led you to marriage? I mean, you had this great friendship, things were fine. You, I mean, I, I, I know your ex-husband uh, well, you know, and, and you, um, both of you at the time when you were dating and, and courting and getting into marriage, uh, but what is it? What was that one thing that made you decide, hey, this is the guy that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with? Right. So I, I do believe that the basis of any good marriage is friendship. And we had that, um, you know, good friendship. Um, at a certain point, feelings started to get into the picture. I won't say who. <laughs> and um, well, actually, I guess I can. Um, I think he first um, indicated an interest in me. And I was like, hey, I like us as friends um but eventually I think the relationship and that's the thing with a friendship mm -hmm. if once feelings get involved it's either it's going to mature into a marriage or mature into something more or it has to die completely once mm -hmm. they are involved and so and so I think that you know the feelings got involved and it's either let's progress with that or not. I, I, yeah, I thought that we would always be friends. I thought that we had a solid foundation. We were both church goers, we we're both Christians and we had a good friendship that, that would be good for our marriage. All right, cool. So, so you both made the decision to take the relationship to the next level. So right. you're looking at um, getting married. Um, were there any, any red flags that you saw at the outset of your relationship, you know, prior to marriage, anything that, you know, jumped out at you? Well, you know, this is an area that I probably want to pay attention to a little bit, you know, something that may surface in the future. Uh, was there any red flag? Actually, yes. Let's say there were some some burnt orange flags, and I said to myself, "I mean, I I'm a little bit uh, a very a stickler for the books. You know me. You know I'm very do it by the book sort of thing, and so I figured I can let certain things slide." And I also said to myself, well, Terry, you have red flags too. If you can't yeah. give somebody for having, you know, flaws or major issues, mm -hmm. how can you forgive yourself for things that you, that may be red flags to him too? So right. yes, I, there were red flags, but I think that, um, I think three days before we got married, actually, I saw mm -hmm. something that said to me, stop, do not advance, do not mm -hmm. go, do not collect $200. And I, st I still went full speed ahead because at that point, I thought it was too late. People had already, you know, come down for the wedding. Things were just in motion. And it's, it's so much because I think that once once a ring goes on your finger, everything goes whoosh after mm. just going at a hundred kilometers per hour. Um, so 
everything was just in motion and I didn't stop it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it that you, you felt perhaps embarrassed uh, to have made that decision to stop? If I would have felt embarrassed if I had stopped it? Yes. Um, no, I just, I actually thought about how he would have felt. <laughs> mm. um, be, how he would have felt if I decided that I didn't want to go through with it at that point. I mean, yeah, I, I, I thought about him. I thought about the people who had came, who had come. Wow, Terry. Who Let me. Anyways, <laughs> I know. Yes. So the people who, who had come down for the wedding, I, I think I thought about everybody else except myself. Mm. And I think, you know, it's it's just a critical uh, point that's being made here because uh, many persons, you know, listening to this podcast right now may find themselves in the exact same position. Uh, you are making plans to tie the knot. You're seeing the burnt orange signs. You're seeing the you're seeing the red flags. You're you're seeing the things that cause you to stop and say, "Hey, this is something that I don't think mm-hmm. you know I should progress with because you know I, it, it, it's making me uncomfortable." And I think we really should address it. But Terry, you mentioned something earlier. You you said you saw the flaws and you saw the red flags. Let me ask you to make a distinction between flaws and red flags because um, you know it's okay for somebody in my mind to have a flaw. Right. A red flag connotes something much, much different. It's, it's a danger zone, don't progress. This is not merely a flaw. What's the difference between the two? That is true. So, I mean, nobody's perfect. So everyone has these character flaws. Um, they might, (laughs) they might, for example, be somebody who is not very tidy, or they might be somebody who is not um, uh, punctual, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Those flaws. But then when we talk about red flags, we're talking about things that you see that will become a greater issue in the future things that you cannot live with longer Mm. than a moment actually things that you should not live with more than a moment i'm happy you qualified it yeah because someone can jump into a relationship and say well i can't live with the fact that you wake up late every morning or i can't live with this i mean those are flaws but then things that are inherent in the character of the individual that um, may become even hazardous to to you the the other party right um talk to me a little bit as we kind of segue now into you know getting married you stood at the altar you made your vows um life was good for the first couple of uh, months weeks a year yeah um so because of what happened the three days before the wedding I think I was in sort of a daze for a couple of days (laughs) or maybe even a couple of months I was just not here you know um and I think I, I zombied my way through the first few months, months, years um, of, of our marriage. 
yes, so I, I mean, things are okay, but were they ever great? I, I'm not sure I could say that. Okay. What about your support system? You, you have quite a bit of friends. Um, you know, you're close to your mom. You're close to your brother. Uh, did they know what was happening with you while you were married? Mm. Well, especially the first part, since we're talking about the first, you know, um, the settling period. So I remember when um, the thing happened, the few days before the wedding, I immediately called my brother and he didn't respond um, because he was busy, uh, not, you know, no fault of his own. And I remember saying to myself, well, this is how it's going to be now. I have to learn to deal with things on my own. And I pretty much did that the entire time. I didn't talk to anybody about what was happening um, because I thought I was being an honorable wife by hmm. not discussing what was happening in my marriage with anyone else. And I think it's only when I got to a real breaking point because several things happened in the marriage that I was just like, okay, I knew how to deal with that. I knew how to deal with that. But this, am I supposed to deal with this? And um, I remember that when I started to open up about what was happening, two things happened. One, so many women, so many other women shared with me that, hey, I'm going through something like this. Mm -hmm. Two, um, some people, other women said, baby, this is not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be living like this. You're not supposed to be accepting this as your life, right? And uh, I did get help. You know, we, we did counseling, several counts counselors and um, pastors as well. Uh, so once I opened up, I did get the support. But what held me is that... What, what, kept my, my, what kept me silent or something that essentially kept its hand over my mouth was the fact that a, an honorable wife would not share what is happening in her marriage with anyone else. And I suffered for a long time because of that. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, just, I think this is the first time I'm hearing uh, this side you know, of the story told so deeply and um, it, it's having a, a profound impact on me because you know I, I, I as a part of the, the situation and, and hearing you talk about it and knowing the fact too that there are others who are listening in who probably may be faced with the same thing it's 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 I, I believe Terry that your experiences are designed not just to make you a better person, but also to, to empower those who are going through uh, similar challenges. Um, but was there any point in the process where you blamed yourself? Because you said you were being the honorable wife. The honorable wife doesn't share details with anybody. The honorable wife talks to only her husband about the issues she has with her husband. But, but when things started to go wrong, was there any point where you said, you know, 
I am the problem. This was this was my fault. I should have done this. I should have done that differently. Absolutely. Um, and I I think up until the point that we separated and even throughout the divorce as well, I I blamed myself um, for for what was happening and what had happened. Um, I, I, I thought, I thought I was at fault. And the truth is at the end of the day, uh, we were both at fault. That's one. And two, it wasn't really a fault issue. It doesn't really matter at this point who is at fault or whatever. It's just like, are we heading in the same direction? Um, are we committed to the same thing, the same goals are, you know? And if not, then we don't need to suffer until mm. the end. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you find peace from this situation? Because I know it, it, it would have impacted you emotionally, physically, mentally, every, every alley I can think of. How do you find peace? I found peace in the fact that God does not want me to suffer. He said in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 that he has plans for me to prosper. Um, you know, uh, he wants a good future for me. And I could not reconcile that with what was happening. I, I was not okay. You know that. I was mm. not okay and I could not reconcile that God wanted this for me. Um, so I found peace in that. Um, and I also thought that my, my ex-husband wasn't happy as well. And whether or not he wanted to make the decision to end, the marriage or not, I knew that he did want it. I, I know that I knew that he was not happy in mm -hmm. the situation as it was. So, yeah. So let's draw gears a little bit. Let's, let's shift into gear three. You're a Christian woman. Yes. Your ex-husband, a Christian man. We know the church's view on divorce. Mm -hmm. How did your marital breakup affect you from the perspective of uh, the church? You know, what, what is accepted, quote unquote, what is not accepted, um, how people may view you. Uh, how did that affect you? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people do stay in their marriages um, because they worry about how things will be viewed by others. And at the end of the day, I had to get to a point where I was worried about how God would view me. Mm -hmm. I knew that in the, in the state that I was, God could not use me like that. I had to be 
in a state where God was able to use me and he could not use me as I was. No, maybe, right? But I was not giving of my, I, I was not a whole offering to him. I don't know if you even understand. But mm. I had to be at my best in order to serve him. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people in my church, especially my local church, um, have stopped talking to me. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, I remember one particular person messaged me and said, oh, I heard that you and your husband are getting divorced. So I assume that one of you cheated. And I was like, I was just, I was taken aback by the audacity of it. And um, I was going to explain and then I'm going, I was just like, no, I, I, need, I don't feel the need to explain to any member of my church why I made the decision to get divorced. Um, I know that I'll, I'll have to stand before God one day where it's concerned, but talking to someone, just in justifying my decision to someone else when they have not walked uh, a mile, an inch in my shoes does not appeal to me. Hmm. All right, let, let's go into the, um, some of the impacts that the, the marriage slash eventual divorce had on you uh, physically. Let's look at the impact it had physically emotionally, mentally. Let's go there. Right. Um, my brother, who loves me and knows me very well, said to me one day before I got separated, before we got divorced, that, Terry, you are a shell of your former self. And mm. that hit me so hard because everybody who knew me before knew that I was this confident person. I was assertive. I was a leader. I was just grab the bull by the horn and get it done. I mean, I was the person and I now had become so timid. I was so afraid to speak because I was afraid of saying the wrong thing in my marriage. And so it transcended to other areas of my life. And I remember it affected my self-confidence greatly, right? Um, just everything that I had, I had um, experienced because... I am somebody who is, whose love language is words of affirmation. And I was getting a lot of the opposite of that. And so what that did to my psyche is that I started to believe it. So as an example, I'm not going to give any specific, specifics, but if you say to me, that I'm not good at X, Y, Z, I started to believe that, oh, maybe I'm not good at X, Y, Z. And so normally when somebody would have asked me, hey, can you do this for me? And I'd be like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Yep, whatever, just give me some time. No, I was just like, 
I'm not sure. I don't want people to think exact, you know, I just became not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was not myself. And that was the, the scariest part of it for me. And in some ways, I'm still trying to, um, to regain that confidence and not to be myself again, because the knowledge that I have now makes me such a, a different person, a more assertive person. I, I don't people please anymore. You know, I think that especially growing up in the church, you know, we, we people please a lot because we think that we're supposed to do that to be nice. Um, I, I've learned how to say no. I, 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 I don't remember saying that very often when I was younger, but no, if something does not sit well with me, I'm not going to just say yes to, 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 to people, please. Um, would you say you did everything in your power to save your marriage? At the point when I thought that my marriage was worth saving, yes, I did. At the point when I realized that this marriage should not be saved for both our benefits. (laughs) Um, No, I I didn't. Because at that point, I was not trying to save the marriage. I was trying to save myself. Mm. Dr. Terry, Mm. Terry, Boogie. Yes. What's what's the one thing you wished uh, others knew? or you would wish others would know before getting married? One thing, if you could say one. Um, it's funny, last week when I asked that question to my friend, Lisa, and she said, myself, as in to know yourself, I, I thought that was just really the perfect answer to that question. Um, I think I wish, people knew that if you know God, then you know love. God is love. And if anything, if if you don't know God, then you won't be able to recognize love. And if the person that you are trying to couple with does not know God, they also will not know what love is and know how to love you. So you have to know God. You have to know what God wants for you. You have to understand that. Because if you know and understand that, then you will know what to accept and what not to accept for your life. The life that he has given you, the life that he has called you to do greater things. And that life is precious and should be cherished. So know what you should and shouldn't accept for the life he has given you. Well, Dr. Ter, we've come to the end. I can't believe it. Um, it's half an hour already, roughly. <laughs> the end of this week's episode of, um, 
of your program. I am honored, I'm humbled, I'm delighted. I am, I'm glad you asked me to be a part of this experience, which I know for you um, is another means of being on the road to recovery in terms of you know, complete and total uh, emotional healing. Um, suffering a divorce is not something easy <laughs> to go through. It's actually quite traumatic. Um, but one thing I've, I've observed about you in the period that you have been through this, it's that you're a fighter. And uh, lest anybody think, <laughs> you know, that I'm saying that in a negative way. No, I mean it in a, in a real positive way. You have learned from your experiences. You are stepping higher each day and you are not going down. You're not allowing life's challenges to hit you down and to keep you down. You are fighting to live. You are fighting to, 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 to move. You're fighting to just make life better. You're fighting to be on the road to recovery. You're, you're fighting to just be a better individual, a better contributor to society and, and the world at large. And I want to just continue to affirm you Doc, continue to, to inspire and continue to provide the empowerment, especially for those who are going through similar issues. It was my pleasure once again. And to you, those of you who are listening, I hope that you, of course, were um, inspired by this week's edition. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's so much more we could have delved into, but this, I believe, is just scraping the tip of the iceberg. Uh, as it relates to um, Dr. Terry's story. Maybe another day we'll get into it some more. This is where I would say on behalf of my production team, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Dr. Terry, over to you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Boogie, um, for uh, you know just spearheading this interview. I think that I... I, I don't know if anyone else could have asked me those questions and I would have answered. I'd, I'd have probably been like, what? <laughs> um, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share my story as well. And um, for me, this podcast is a way of helping others not to make the same mistakes that I did. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope that if it even blesses one person, just one, then I am okay with that. So thank you very much again. And until next time, if you like what you heard today, don't forget to share with someone else, write a review. And until next time, see you next week. This is Dr. Terry signing out. Bye-bye.